0: Ready? Good. So, Anatoly, how are you doing today? I have a story to tell. So uh, we've been doing this project for uh, over two years and today we were supposed to get a demo of it. And can you imagine that 30 minutes before the demo, the payment system went down and uh, we have to postpone the entire thing that we were building like for over 25 months for um unknown time. Luckily the support was okay and we were managed to postpone it just for one hour, but still you don't want to get
1: this into this situation. You certainly don't want to get it. I mean it sounds horrible but you know fortunately I know a professional who certainly wouldn't let it happen. So hi guys, this is our new episode of the product drama podcast. This is Anatoly this is Max. And today we have CEO of Tilt. Caleb Avery. So, hi Caleb. Hi you doing? Hey guys. Thanks for having me on today. really appreciate it. So, would you mind tell us more about your product and how you came to the idea of it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, at TILD, we've created a solution that we call Payfac as a Service. And we've really reimagined the entire payment facilitation uh, experience. And so, you know, you guys were mentioning that a uh, company was having issues with their, their payment systems. That's, that's basically where we're coming in to help solve problems. For all of our customers that are either frustrated with the technology, the price, the support or something about their their payment experience and we feel like we've really brought the, the best in breed payments technology to the market with our new Payback as a service platform.
0: How do you came up with this idea? What was the source of it?
2: So the, the inspiration for me, uh, I've been in the payment space for the better part of about a decade. Uh, I founded my first payments business while I was in college and really got started selling payments door to door. to to small business owners just going around and talking to them about their their payment services. And as we started growing that business, we started getting brought in on these consulting projects for larger software companies, anywhere from like 100 million in annual payments volume up to about a billion dollars a year in annual payments volume. And a lot of software companies start with processors like Stripe or Braintree that are managed payment facilitation providers. And the advantage of those solutions is that they're easy to get set up The problem is they're very expensive. And so Mm -hmm. for a lot of these guys, they were just passing through the 2.9% and 30 cent pricing model that Stripe or Braintree was offering to to them. But at some point, as you're scaling up that business, you realize that you really want to start earning revenue from all of those payments that are processing uh, through your systems. And so with my prior company, uh, we didn't have our own technology, and so we were just really reselling third-party systems like an NMI or an authorized.net gateway. And the problem with those systems is that they were really painful to to implement. And so the developer experience was was pretty poor, and it would take like four to six months for for the customers to complete these integrations and get their payment systems up and running. And so they were always frustrated uh, with these systems. And so about two and a half years ago, I decided that instead of trying to sell these, you know, really poor technologies, we just needed to build our own. And so for the last two and a half years, we've been building out our custom PayFAC as a service uh, solution in order to, to bring this to market. But, you know, really just saw the, the problems and the frustrations firsthand, uh, you know, from these customers that were just looking for better payments technologies and, and better payment experiences.
0: How did you came from the idea to the scope of the MVP? Yeah, so customer discovery
2: was a huge part of of that effort. So, you know, first had the idea doing these consulting engagements with a couple of clients, but it's not like immediately I said, oh, great, now I've got to go build a business. I I was really trying to figure out, like, is there a demand for this product in the market? And so I spent about six months going and talking with dozens of different uh, software companies to understand, like, what do you not like about the current solutions? <laughs> what would we need to build in order to make you want to, to switch services? And the, the two very consistent pieces of feedback that we got during that customer discovery process was the importance of the the time of implementation and then the economics. So four to six months of integration was just far too much time uh, spent trying to integrate these these legacy uh, technologies. And You know, the the question that I kept asking was like, hey, if we could get you a product that you could implement in one or two weeks, you know, would you be interested? And, you know, almost everybody's like, of course, you know, if we if we could swap, you know, our payment services in in two weeks and it would actually be two weeks, uh, then, of course, we'd be interested as long as you could provide us the competitive economics. And so, you know, our goal is to try and figure out how could we bring that easy-to-implement solution with the very competitive economics that customers were were looking for.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, it's a really smart way of getting clients' feedback because when you're coming to them with an abstract idea and you're, like, asking them for some feedback advice, they're kind of, you know, telling what they have on their heart because definitely, like, there's no perfect solution on the market. So, I guess users had some issues in it and they could like really tell about them. So it's important for them uh, that you really did care about it and you wanted to hear them and then make like a better solution for them. So. And,
2: and I think what was really nice about that customer discovery process was the customers didn't feel like we were selling them anything because we didn't have a product. <laughs> like at that time, you know, three years ago, we didn't have software, I didn't have a team it was really just me with an idea and i was going out and trying to get their feedback and i think that we were able to get some really candid feedback and like some of these guys would talk to me for an hour and just give me you know this like brain dump of everything that they were thinking and all of their you know opinions about the market and our competitors and it was just this incredibly invaluable feedback because they didn't feel like i was trying to sell them anything they felt like i was genuinely interested in you know their opinions and and feedback and and i just you know, would absolutely encourage any founder considering starting any business, like go out there and talk to your potential customers and really figure out what their pain points are. And then, you know, what you would have to do to kind of solve those problems to get you to to get them to pay you money, <laughs> you know, to fix those problems.
0: I wonder what comes next. Uh, once you understand that uh, you have to provide uh, technology solution and uh, competitive uh, economics. uh the first uh, question is, uh, for me as a uh, technician, is very, very interesting because there are so many technologies. How do you focus on something uh, specific or you have to implement uh, something for every uh, technology that's on the market? And how did you decide what to build first? When
2: we thought about what we needed to, to build first, it really came back to like, what was the problem that, that we were solving for? And the initial problem that we were solving for was helping software companies implement integrated integrated credit card processing into their systems as quickly as possible. And so it really started with a very narrow scope of like, we just need to be able to process credit card payments for integrated software companies. And as we went you know, through the, the development process, we realized that we needed to add other features like ACH, you know, direct debit processing, but it all started with a very narrow focus around just specifically getting people live processing credit card payments, uh, in under a week. And so the the initial like MVP version of the the product really did not have a lot of bells and whistles. Like you were able to sign up for processing, you're able to collect credit card payments. You know, the dashboards weren't pretty, the the sign up process wasn't pretty, but it did what you know we needed it to do and that was enough to get you know our first set of customers on board and then over the last you know 6 9 months we've continued to add features and build out you know better dashboards and find additional partners and add you know new features but you you really can't tackle every problem you know right out of the gate you have to figure out like what's the what's the smallest version of the MVP that we can get out there get into the market and get customer feedback and ideally revenue You know from customers Mm -hmm. and then you can keep adding features and iterating on on your product over time and you can always make it better
0: i wonder uh how did you constructed your team to build this uh, initial product
2: yeah so as a as a non-developer uh the the kind of first thing that i needed to do was find people that were were smarter uh than i am at at writing code and i had uh, a couple of friends that i've i've known for years that that were running like an outsource uh, development group. And so really started there going with them and figuring out like, you know, first and foremost, like, how do we set up the technology stack? How do we architect the product and create like a scalable version of our, our MVP? Because what I didn't want to do was go spend, you know, a year or more building out an MVP and then have to just, you know, destroy the whole thing and start mm-hmm. over, <laughs> you know, once we had customers. And so we spent a lot of time thinking through that that architecture. Uh, before we ever, you know, started writing the the code. But, you know, finding those outsourced developers and then, like, you know, managing that process and, and functioning as that first, like, product manager was a, was a big learning curve for me. You know, I, I had never built software. I had never been that, that product manager. I'd never hired developers and managed developers. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that I was the, the best in the, in the <laughs> early days, but I think over the last, you know, two and a half years, I've I've learned quite a bit and you know, still not a developer. Uh, but you know, there there are times now when I'm on on calls and I'm talking with developers and explaining to them, you know, our API that I kind of give the illusion uh, you know that that I at least know what I'm talking <laughs> about, you know, around the, the API and the the development uh, stuff. But I I imagine a lot of people are pretty nervous when they're, you know, picking uh, especially like an outsource development team. And for me, that process was really looking at like, the prior work that they've done, like, Mm -hmm. show me a software that you've built Mm -hmm. before and how it functions. And like, I want to talk to customers that have used, you know, that product to figure out like, is it is it just full of bugs? Like, does the thing break all the time? Like, how does it work? And, you know, ultimately, was able to find a group initially that I had a lot of confidence in and was able to build, you know, a really nice first version of the product. That's
1: great. I mean, because really, without a developer skills, you still was able to manage the, this whole process. It it's makes me think that like, it's really about management, because if you're a product manager, you're doing this management, so still management is a first world. And Like You have to use your limited resources, especially really in this wise way uh, to build what you need in terms of MVP and in terms of because you really don't want to build a product that nobody needs, mm-hmm. right? And speaking of uh, limited resources, so you started your product with a limited low budget, and maybe there like some uh, signature, you know, like uh, what separates it from the common product development?
2: Um, as far as like what what differentiated like our, our product development process?
1: Yeah, like things that you should certainly keep in mind when you're making a product development with a low budget and with limited resources.
2: You, you can't afford to, to be building things, you know, two and three times. You, you kind of have to get it right, you know, the first time. And, and for me, I just had this very strong vision of the product uh, that I wanted to, to build. And, you know, it took a lot of time and a lot of like long conversations with the developers before they wrote the code and before mm-hmm. they built out the features to understand like, what were, the, what were the constraints? What did the product need to do? And like making it crystal clear, uh, you know, what it was that I was expecting uh from them and like you know the the first version of the the product uh that they came out with i came back with seven pages of notes and feedback on like the like basically every screen of the product i just went through and i was like all right here's what we got to change here's what we got to change and and just went through and gave them like an excruciating amount of detail on like every aspect of the product and and i think a lot of people you know don't take that that time to give you know just like crystal clear detailed like you know, I went and just wrote a story for these guys of like exactly, you know, what I was looking for on on each product. And so they had, you know, a really good idea of what I wanted uh, in my head. And then they were able to come back and kind of build, you know, that vision. Um, But it it is tough when when you have that limited budget, and you've got limited, you know, engineering time and engineering resources. And so that like planning aspect, you know, ahead of time of just like getting that plan crystal clear is just such an important step.
0: Another question about the MEP we because we are building uh, doing some service for one of our customers and we are trying to remove as much as many features as as we can uh, so that the MEP is uh, as small as possible and uh, in this particular case there are some features that uh, a developer uh, would like to Remove because we think we can go without them, but um, owner doesn't want to sacrifice. Uh, was it uh, something in your case that you had to sacrifice in order to make MVP smaller?
2: I, I think for me, you know, when we were first starting out, I had a couple of customers that we'd found in that customer discovery process mm-hmm. that I kept engaged throughout the, the product development cycle. And whenever there were, like, questions around, like, I, I always wanted more features. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as the as the owner and the non-developer, you always think things are easier and can be built faster. And the developer's like, no, that's a six-month project, Caleb. We can't, you know, build that right away. And so, for me, the the kind of north star was always going back to the customers and getting feedback from them and saying, like, hey, would you be okay if we didn't have, you know, this beautiful dashboard? Like, you mm-hmm. have to have you know, the dashboard. And uh, oftentimes, the feedback was like, No, as long as we have, you know, good reporting, we don't need like a beautiful dashboard. It's like, okay, well, let's don't do a dashboard, Mm -hmm. you know, in the MVP. And so it was really using the customer to kind of settle that debate. Anytime there was a question around like whether that feature was needed for, for the MVP, it really pays to have, you know, those customers that you can go to and just get that like candid feedback. Uh, you know, as to whether or not they would still sign up for the product if it didn't have, you know, X, Y, or Z.
0: Wow, what a great customers do you have? Because uh, in my case, customers are usually screaming for more features. They are saying like, "No, we need more. There is not enough."
2: I, I think it really speaks to the frustration that they have with their current, uh, you know, solutions. You know, <laughs> if they were thrilled with their current products, I don't think they would be offering to give me as much of you know their free time uh, you know and feedback to try and you know get tilled to where you know they want it to be but you know we've really had a lot of excitement uh, from the market around what we're building and I, I think it to an extent is because we built something exciting but I think it's almost more about the fact that the existing options on the market uh, just leave customers with a lot of, of frustrations and just have a lot of drawbacks and you know the the kind of Couple of primary options being, you know, Stripe, which everybody knows is just this incredibly expensive, you know, solution. And then you've got, you know, people like WorldPay and Elevon and thesis and First Data and all these legacy processors that they have good pricing, but the economics uh, or the the technology is just so outdated uh, that it's it's just frustrating for for these customers to use. I mean, like one of the the big processors, the only way that you can get reporting from their system is to request a CSV file that you then have to like parse out and they change the formatting of the CSV file regularly. And so you're constantly having to update, you know, your, your reporting to mm-hmm. try and, you know, sort through that, that CSV file. And it's like, you know, that's just an unacceptable, you know, product experience in, in 2021 when, you know, you could have a beautiful reporting, you know, REST API uh, that gives people the data that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I totally agree that uh, Stripe is being loved by developers because you come to their website, you have lots of documentation. It's so easy to utilize and it's so easy to use from developer standpoint. That is why everyone like, okay, we are uh, moving forward with Stripe. It's so good. It's so good we are not doing that other product that we uh, used on the previous project.
2: Yeah, and that, that developer experience is just such an important part of creating you know, modern payment technology, and it's it's both the documentation, but it's also the support that's available to the developers if they have questions. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've really tried to, to do well is offering that that support. And what we've been doing is opening up Slack Connect mm-hmm. channels mm-hmm. with development teams. And it's been a great way to get that instant, uh, you know, feedback Uh, from a developer not have to go through email and and in my experience you know developers typically don't love hopping on the phone uh you know especially with business people uh involved because oftentimes you're doing your work at eight o'clock at night and you just want a quick answer on you know whatever uh you know question uh it is that you have you don't want to hop on a 20 minute phone call when you're like in that you know development headspace you just want to stay heads down and keep keep coding away
0: so you have someone uh, sitting and uh, chatting with uh, developers only?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a couple of people that like a big part of their job is just helping developers go live uh, on our platform. I mean, wow. we, we take a very like uh, kind of white glove approach to helping our customers go live on the, the platform. And, you know, part of the reason why is because our, our incentives are aligned with our customers. We're not making any money until they're processing payments on our, our platform. And so, you know, we're not sitting back saying, oh, we're getting paid all this money. You know, we don't care how long it takes you to get up and running. Like, we're not making any money until our customers are live. And so it's it's kind of, you know, our, our incentive just as much as is the customer's incentive to help them be able to launch and, and go live, you know, as quickly as possible. And so we, we really take, you know, that job seriously of being available to help our, our customers uh, with whatever they need.
0: Uh, Also, how do you align your promise uh, to uh, implement uh, your platform into the system within two weeks uh, when uh, your customer's uh, system may be a little overcomplicated or outdated and require more time to change?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's not not specifically a promise that it's going to get done in under two weeks. It's more just that you know, you can, if you dedicate the resources and the mm-hmm. time to, to get this done, you know, our API is simple enough to be able to, to be implemented in, in most cases, uh, you know, in under two weeks. Uh, and, you know, in some cases, you know, we, we've had clients push to try and get it done in about a week. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it, it really can be done, you know, quite quickly. And we're continually developing, uh, you know, new um Kind of value add features to help people launch faster. Like we recently launched a sample code project where you can process test transactions in like under five minutes. And so from getting into the into the sandbox environment, spin up that sample code project, you can literally be processing test transactions in like five minutes, uh, which is which is just awesome. And you know we've got a couple people on our team whose like entire job is to work on the documentation, that developer experience, and just continue to dial in. Uh, that process, because we, we really see one of our big differentiators being that time to market and the ease of, of implementation. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time and money trying to constantly improve that experience and take feedback, you know, from customers that are going through. And like, when we get questions through that Slack Connect channel, we're always like, well, was the documentation unclear? Like, how could we make this, you know, better? And so we're constantly pushing updates uh, just to continue making that developer experience better and better.
1: Yeah, it's really important to listen to your developers, listen to your customer, customers and really uh, do care about that feedback, especially like now after two and a half years of, after launching the product, still feedback is always feedback and you mm-hmm. really want to hear it. And speaking of new features that you mentioned, like, is there any specific like major updates that we should expect in 2021 about tilt or about just payment systems in general? Yeah, so you know,
2: pretty exciting development this week being that we launched Apple Pay. So we, we literally launched Apple Pay yesterday, uh, which is wow. something that we've been working pretty hard on for, for a couple of months. And that's been a very highly requested feature uh, from our customers, as, as you can imagine. Uh, so pretty excited about that one. Uh, I'd say that the next big feature for us is launching our omni-channel uh, payment solution. And when I say omni-channel, today we're processing like digital online payments. Uh omni channel means that through one account, you can process online payments as well as like in-person payments where the customers coming in, you know, to, to pay with their card. And for a lot of our customers, uh, today, these software companies are really only collecting the like online payments and they're leaving a lot of money on the table because their customers, you know, like dental software company processing for dentists, people are still going to the dentist and they're paying, you know, at the dentist. It's not everybody that's just paying the invoice that the dentist sends them after the fact, and so being able to collect those in-person payments, I think is going to be a huge, uh, you know, revenue uh, driver for for both our customers and and TILD once we're able to to get that product launched.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great because I'm more than sure that your customers are really excited about upcoming features because Apple Pay is really. It's a fancy It's one. global. Uh, yeah, it's global. And like I do believe that almost everybody using Apple Pay, Google Pay in their common life and having a day, it's crucial.
0: Yeah, I personally get really frustrated if uh, app, for example, doesn't have Apple Pay. So,
1: yeah. Same here. I mean, that's
2: that's why I've been pushing our development team pretty hard to, to get it in place. And uh, our, our customers have been uh, patient, uh, mm. but they're, they're definitely ready for, for Apple Pay. Uh, and so we're, we're certainly excited to, to release that and get that, uh, out into the wild. Uh,
0: so, uh, what did you learn, uh, while you were, uh, launching an MVP?
2: I I learned a lot for sure. Uh, I'd say the, the best decision that I ever made was bringing in a VP of engineering and I I think it's not, not just around kind of product, uh, management and like engineering, but I, I think in general. Founders have to recognize what they're good at and what they're best at and what they're not good at and what they're not best at. And you know, uh, I, I would say that that kind of product management and the management of the engineering team was something that I was doing okay uh, at. But since bringing in that that VP of engineering, it's been incredible how much faster uh, we've been able to to ship features and just how much better the the like quality of the the product development uh, has been. And he's been able to build out the team. You know, I, I was having a hard time, you know, going out and recruiting developers because I wasn't a developer, whereas he's, you know, been doing software development for, I don't know, 15 years and has a network of developers. And he was able to hire like five people, like right away. Mm-hmm. As soon as I told him to go hire people, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I think I've got four or five people that are ready to <laughs> come on board. Ready that's, to assemble. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and so, you know, you just, you can't have an ego about these things and you've got to just figure out like who's smarter than me, who's better than me. At this, bring them in and let them, you know, do their thing, and the company's always going to be better off for it.
0: Uh, do you have any tips uh, how to uh, indicate for yourself, first of all, uh, what you are not good at if you think you are good at it?
1: I read a book about
0: development and I think I'm a proficient in hiring developers, but I'm really not because I haven't worked on any project.
2: I'd say that that like self-awareness of figuring out what you're really good at and what you're not uh, necessarily the best at is really hard. I mean, it takes a lot of like reflection to, to think about, uh, you know, what, what you're good at. In, in my opinion, one of, the, one of the best ways to do it is to think about like, what do you want to do? Like what tasks do you get excited about going and doing and what are the tasks? That you're like, man, I really don't want to do that. And what do you keep procrastinating to do? And for me, the like product management stuff was always like, well, I'm going to wait on that and I'm going to go work on this. And so it's like, if you're, if you're constantly avoiding going and doing something there, it's kind of your subconscious telling you that like, maybe you should bring in somebody to help you do that. And like, for me, like I love sales, I love marketing, I love fundraising. And so it's like, I want to go spend my time doing sales, marketing, and fundraising, and like bring in the experts to help me on the product and the engineering. And thankfully, I've been able to build a team, uh, you know, of experts around me that are far better, uh, you know, at all of those things than, than I ever was.
1: Yeah, it's really, I think, important to be honest with yourself and like doing what you are feeling, like what you really want to do. Because when you're doing it, whether you are doing it with emphasize, you're way more efficient with it. And like you're putting your all heart and heart in it. That's important in product. And as you mentioned, really having a team of like best suited specialists uh, is really helping your product to align to your vision. That's important. And like maybe mm-hmm. the last question from me today about your vision, because I think like it maybe changed a little bit like from the moment that you started and new features that you figure out here like Apple Pay and other stuff. They're like adding your vision no, uh, or it doesn't work. So, like, I just want to figure it out.
2: Uh, there, there's always you know changes, uh, you know, along the way as you're as you're going through the the process, you know, of building out uh, a, a solution. And and you know, I, I know I keep coming back to it, but it's really you know the, the customers that have really helped you know kind of guide our our product along. I mean, adding in ACH processing uh, to our product was was something that I had on the roadmap you know, probably six months from now, and uh the, the customers came in and, and basically demanded uh, that we had ACH processing uh, within the platform and so we did it in Q1 and we we added ACH you know to the to the product and, and changed up you know that the the roadmap to, to kind of accommodate you know what they were looking for and same thing with Apple Pay. Like you know we got out there and the the immediate feedback you know from the first set of customers is like well where's Apple Pay? <laughs> like why why do you guys not have Apple Pay? And, you know, I mean, th- those are the, the kind of popular things that you just kind listen of to, listen to that feedback and, and then, you know, work with the team to, to make it happen.
0: Good, good. Okay, well, uh, speaking of last, last questions, uh, what, uh, what books would you recommend for people who has an idea who are eager to make it uh, happen uh, to read? I, I'd
2: say the, the book by Peter Thiel, Zero to One, uh, is a
0: is a book that
2: really just encourages you to to not think about how can I make something ten percent better or how can I iterate on an existing idea. It's like how can you just think radically differently uh, and and like change the world. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you come up with a a slightly better mousetrap, like yeah, it's interesting. Uh, but if you can come up with something that just totally changes uh you know the the kind of world view and perspective like something like an uber or an amazon that just like didn't exist and then all of a sudden it did and it's been you know this incredible success and i i feel like you know that that concept and that way of thinking of just like how do you you know think outside the box and just kind of change your perspective to to think about something in a totally different way is so helpful uh as a founder because we're, we're all trying to like create something uh, you know, that didn't exist. And so you have to like challenge yourself to, to continue, you know, thinking differently, especially when uh, people are giving you feedback. And it's not always positive feedback. Like when you're going out to, to fundraise, as an example, you know, you may go talk to 100 people and 95 of them are going to tell you no, 15 of them are going to tell you it's a horrible idea. And you have to like, you know, continue pressing on and just have that like faith that like, this is a great idea. I'm going to change the world. You know, I'm confident you know, in my vision for, for what we're building. And you you have to kinda of have that mindset that like I'm here to, to just think differently, do dif- do things differently and, and just change the world around me.
1: Wow. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes people are just things that they're not ready for changes because it's better for them to like stay constant with what they have and not thinking about the like progress and about potential of new features. But thanks for your advice about books. Yeah. Yeah. And for for me I-
2: not not even just books, I spend a lot of time reading like articles. Uh, And so whether it's like payments.com, Forbes articles, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, like, I I just, I consume content constantly, because that's where I'm getting data on, you know, competitors, the world around me, like how to be the best fundraiser, how to be the best product manager, like, just going and reading articles from people that like, actually know what they're doing, and have done it, you know, 10 times over, I, I feel like it's just been tremendously helpful. Uh, for me, because I, I, I honestly struggle reading like a full, you know, book, I, I want to consume kind of shorter pieces of content and kind of get into, you know, the nuts and bolts of like one particular thing, like each day and just learn you know a little bit about all of these different things versus like spending, you know, a couple of weeks kind of going deep on, you know, one particular idea, uh, you know, through an entire book.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow yeah reading great? small uh, s- smaller articles is so like me because i uh having a hard times reading like uh, long pieces of literature but uh, i'm trying to force myself and try to read the books all right let's wrap it up
1: Yeah. Right? okay guys so thank you guys for being today with us Thank you, Kyle, for your awesome story of Tilt. And like really got fascinated about it and motivated from something because you really should always have tunnel vision for your dream, for your aim and like move forward to it. And of course, assemble yourself with a team of experts who certainly support you with it. Oh, sure. Yeah, thank
2: you guys very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. This was a lot of fun.
1: So it was the programa Podcast. Thank you all. And see you later Now in the next episodes.